This week on Restore It All, we've got a backup practitioner that has used multiple backup products, including the one where I happen to work. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my colossal chore completion celebration companion, Prasanna Maliandi. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel, Curtis? Oh, that- my Lord. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, I, there are no words. I, I, I will... Technically, you know, basically, uh, you know, to, so to be honest, I have finished the part of the project that everyone can see. I'm still sitting on carpet in this one room, which is my office. Um, and uh, but everything else has been completed, which means that we're going to have guests over for Christmas. So Yay. And and this is basically for the listeners who may not realize this is Curtis's. I'm going to replace all the flooring in the downstairs by myself yeah. and take up tile, which has been glued down with super glue, basically. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so there was, there was what there was carpet, there was tile, you know, large, large format ceramic tile and also Pergo in one room. So I took all that up and it was approximately 1500 square feet of luxury vinyl tile that I, laid down it was like three pallets that were sitting in your garage right yeah uh <laughs> and i'd say about um i don't know about a 25 percent into the project i was like what have i done like <laughs> because i actually got hurt like i, I you know i'm I, you know i'm in my 50s i'm down on my knees my my that that was a mess um and then i got sick so, but yeah, the really funny thing is, um, for the, for the longtime listeners, you know, that sometimes my granddaughter comes on here and at the beginning of the project, when she saw how much work it was, her comment was, this is going to take like five months. <laughs> and I was really insulted at the time, but, uh, it took actually a little over five months due to yeah. my injury and my, and my sickness. But, but yeah, at this point it looks beautiful out there and. I don't think the mic would pick it up, but right now, just outside my door is our new uh, Roomba that we bought uh, to, <laughs> to clean keep it, all of that. Yeah, to keep it spick and span. Yeah, exactly. Because the one thing I noticed with having you know the hard Floors. floor versus the ca- carpet is that you see and feel dust. every little bit of dust. Yep. And so um, that, uh, so yeah, so we we added that that it's it's now done its first full vacuuming and now it's trying to do its second. So <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun time at the Preston yeah. household. Well, and, at least uh, it's all done before Christmas. Exactly. So um, yeah, I'm sure I your wife able... is quite pleased. <laughs> yeah, she really likes she really likes decorating the house for Christmas, and we really weren't able to because of you know construction zone. That, yeah, it was a construction yeah. zone up until but, just like two days ago. So now here's a question, Curtis. Are you going to quit yeah. your day job and go do in- flooring installation as a full-time gig? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> 
there was this guy. And by the way, shout out to there. There's a website called for anybody who's thinking about doing it, it. It wasn't like difficult per se, other than the fact that you're on your hands and knees the whole time. And, and one thing that was invaluable was this. There's a guy um, who has a site called so that's how you do that.com. And he has a service where you give him like, I think it's like 100 bucks. And then he guides you through the project. Hmm. You give him your floor layout. And he's like, start in this room, go to this room. And here's the room where you're going to work backwards. And, um, you know, hmm. and that was invaluable throughout the entire process. Um, so shout out to him. Hmm. Um, yeah, thanks, Joe. Anyway, so let's get on to our guest who's sitting there going, what kind of podcast <laughs> have I come on at this point? I didn't sign up for home improvement stuff. Um <laughs> He has been in IT for over 20 years and was most recently the Vice President of Technology, Architecture, and Innovation at Maximus, a government administration company. If you're looking for an experienced, bright IT manager, we think he'd be a great addition to your team. Welcome to the podcast, Albert Wee. Uh, hi, Curtis. Good morning. Thank you for the introduction, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, do, do, have, have you recently completed any major uh do-it-yourself projects? Yes, actually, like you're saying, I'm doing the Christmas lights and and kind of upgraded my laundry. So did some cabinets and sink. Oh, so nice. I'm a, I'm a DIY like you. So DIY. All right. All right. Yep. Fellow, fellow DIY person. Respect. Yep. Um, sometimes, you know, you bite off a little more than you can chew. <laughs> uh you, you know you're halfway through the project and you're like why you know why didn't i just call the guy the solar project right. curtis <clears throat> yeah we won't talk about the solar project. The solar project was yeah speaking of taking six months um yeah but it, but so is it the the, the laundry thing is it finished yeah. Yeah, it's finished. Um, do you want to hear an interesting sink? I want to sure, share. Sure. So you know, I, you know, I got to a point, installed the cabinet, and installed the sink when the plumbing, and I'm like, okay, I need it. I need to get it certified. So I need a certified plumber, right? Uh -huh. So they say they usually charge like ninety dollars plan trip and stuff, but when they heard uh, I just moved into a new house, the price went from ninety dollars to like five six hundred dollars. Wow. So what? I know when they hear like, oh, you just moved into a new house and so I went and just said, oh, forget it. I can do it. I went and just did it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I would, yeah, I, I did a great job. So my wife said, hey, I'm sorry. I don't understand oh. why they would do yeah. that. Like, yeah, when they hear a new house, the price just uh -huh. went up the roof. I don't know why. From 90, 90 to 100 to like four, $500. Wow. Just just to inst just install the plumbing, the, you know, the, the, the yeah. So, crazy. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh yeah, I recently redid some, you know, some stuff in the kitchen and, and I, and I, I did call the guy because plumbing is one of those things where mm -hmm. it, it's not technically very hard mm -hmm. per se, at least much of it. Some of it is actually really hard, uh, but it's, but it, but it's, it's one of those things where it's not, it's like, it's not technically difficult, but yep. you're on your back and you're in these tight, oh. tight, tight spaces and all that stuff. So it's definitely in that category where I'm like, you know what? And, and also the one thing about plumbing is if you get it wrong, you might not know right away, yep. right? It might be just a slow leak and then yep. you find it out way later and it costs you way more money. Yep. Um, we won't yep. talk about the bathtub incident of yeah. uh, 2000. Yep. <laughs> well, and, you know, another thing that reminds me though, I know you're talking about plumbing, but I feel the same way about cars and brakes. 
right? It's like a break job. It's like get someone to do that. And I know Curtis, you're laughing because I know you do your own breaks, but yeah, I, that was that was the way I felt for a long time until I until I found out it, that, that they actually too, weren't that. Yeah, yeah they're not. And and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and generally with breaks, they either work or they don't. Like it's not like you. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. yeah. But I yeah. but I, I I respect the the not doing it as well. And uh, um, and I was going to share the trick is you have to put the right washer and clamps. And like you said, I went and put a pan after my work is done. Uh, just to make sure there's no leak. I left it for a month and there were no leaks. So nice. 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 Yeah. So well, we're not talking about plumbing today. We're talking <laughs> Are you about, sure? We could. <laughs> we could. We could do a just a DIY podcast where I talk about what I've done and you talk about what you've seen on YouTube, right? Yep. Persona. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um and um maybe maybe Albert and Albert and I can can start a DIY podcast. There you go. Um <laughs> I was recently so, watching a YouTube video of a guy trying to clean up a 30 by 60 saltwater pool. So wow. clean, clean it out. What do you mean? Like... Sort of clean it up because it was full of algae and everything else. Oh, he just moved into well, a house. Wow. And he had no oh, pool yeah. experience. And he gave up and he just hired a pool service. They wanted You're... five grand to bring it back to life and then twelve hundred a month. See, this is why I do stuff myself. <laughs> I had the same problem. Five grand? Yep. Well, this um, is a thirty by sixty, Curtis. Oh, but still. I mean thirty by sixty is big, but yeah, yeah it is big. Um, <laughs> okay, one one more. So, so one more. So years ago when my I have a pool. Uh, and by the way, you don't need a pool. You need a friend with a pool. Um, <laughs> that's a life lesson to anyone. Please take that lesson. You don't need a boat. You don't need a pool. You need yep. a friend with with both of those or or one friend with <laughs> one each. Uh, my pool, my pump went down and I didn't have the money to replace it right away. And by the time I replaced it, I had a swamp. And, you know, I had a, a, it was disgusting. And I actually, if you can believe this, and a bunch of stuff had been dumped in the pool, like like leaves and twigs and all that kind of stuff. I actually put on my scuba gear <laughs> and went in my pool and went down and cleared out all the debris in the bottom of my pool. And by the way, I was completely blind because it was just green, right? Just 100% green. Wow. And I'm down there with a, with a bag and I'm just, just crawling around on the bottom. I had myself super weighted so that I was just laying on the bottom and I'm pulling out the twigs and the rocks and the, you know, and, and because I knew that like any one of those could, could mess up the, the, the pump, right. The, well, no, the, the, you know, the, the, oh, the, crawly, the creepy yeah. crawly thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, so the, and then, and then I just dumped it. I just dumped the pool. Right. Um, and instead of trying to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of chemicals trying to bring what it was back to life. Uh, but that was an expensive, just the process of dumping the pool and refilling the pool uh, was an incredibly expensive process because they charge you, you know, uh, what it is, is it, it impacts both your water bill and your sewer bill. Um, because they're like, oh, they're, you know, because they, they look at how much it impacts your sewer bill for like the next quarter because they see how much water you put out. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so the secret is to fill it with your neighbor's hose. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good tip. Oh, <laughs> DIY tip. Fill your pool with your neighbor's hose. Um, <laughs> oh, I kid, I kid. So, so hey, Albert, uh, you, you've been in IT for a while, for a minute, as the kids say. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm sure you've been in and around backup systems quite a bit. From your perspective, how has backup gotten better and worse? Like over, you know, you've seen, if you've been in IT20, you've been through the tape mm-hmm. world. You've been through the conversion to disk world. You've been into the, you know, into the, um, obviously into the cloud world. Uh, what What's that, what's that been like? I would say people are lucky to be uh, managing backup today compared to 20 <laughs> <Yeah>. plus years <laughs> ago. Because like you said, when I first started, yeah. there were only like one cartridge or there's no robotic and, and the tape is, can only do like megabyte versus gigabyte and all that. And then, yeah. and then you know, you have to start with on-premise. And then now you got cloud and all you need to do is good internet connection. So, you know, it's almost like, night and day comparison right so uh, talk to me about um so first you know we t- you know you, you you were in that tape world and i and i grew up in that tape world right my my the backup tape that i first well technically the first tape i did a backup to was actually a nine track tape mm-hmm. which i don't i don't remember what the capacity of that but it wasn't much because mm-hmm. um uh, because i remember that the the density of that tape was 120 bits per inch. It was mm-hmm. a single, it was a single um, recording stream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I have, I'd have to look up. I, yeah. Anyway, so that was my first, and then I remember working with, you know, eight track tapes. I'm sorry, um, eight millimeter tapes, four millimeter tapes, uh, then um, DLT, then LTO, right? Yep. Um, yep. Grew through all of those. Um, do, do you remember, were things ever good with that world? <laughs> Cause I remember like for a while they were bad because the drives themselves were really unreliable. Then the drives, I, my memory is that the, the drives got more reliable, but then they got too fast. There was just the shoe shining problem of the tape drive being too fast for the job. But how, how about you? Right. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, well, the key thing is when you're doing backup and disaster recovery is RPO and RTO. RPO stands for recovery point objective and RTO stands for recovery time objective. So like you said, um, a more uh, two decades ago, because of the speed wise, um, there's three types of uh, backup, full backup, differential and incremental. Um, because of the slow speed, you have to do a lot of incremental, right? Mm-hmm. However, people don't realize when you restore restore that means you have to restore a lot of incrementals too right right right. so as the tape device goes fast and fast you can go less incremental and do more differential and today with the speed you can also do full backup so what i'm trying to say we use it when you restore you always want to start restoring using full backup and then whatever Mm -hmm. differential based on rpo and rto based on you know restore your differential and if not your incremental uh, if i make sense so, yeah, you do. Yeah, Persona, what, you, you remember we just, what it was? I think it was like two episodes ago. ago. Yeah. We just okay. did an episode on backup levels. Yeah. And right. uh, I prefer the term cumulative incremental. Yep, yep, yep. Different, 
different companies use the term differential to mean different things. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a huge thing back then. Was the, the, how often we're going to do a full, how often we're going to do a differential or cumulative incremental, and then obviously we did incrementals every day if we weren't doing one of those other things. Wasn't there a Hanoi tower? Yeah, there was the Tower of Hanoi thing was about yep. different levels of backup. It's real, that, that was a huge thing. Compare that to what we do now, which I, I would say when you look at, um, and by the way, I, I, I'll throw out our usual disclaimer, Persona and I work for different companies. I work for Druva and uh, Persona works for Zoom. And uh, this is not a podcast of either company. Uh, and the opinions that you hear are ours. And sometimes they're all mine, and I they're don't all give Persona, I don't yeah. give Persona a word in edge, a word <laughs> to speak. Um, and um, uh, and b- by the way, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss anything. And also, uh, yeah, just click right, just click subscribe right now so you don't mm-hmm. forget. And be sure to rate us. Just uh, scroll down to the rating thing. Give us, you know, five stars. And uh, give us a comment. We love we love comments. Always helpful. Always it helps it helps other people find our podcast. The more comments that we have, and um, but uh, and and also uh, you know in full disclosure, uh, Albert is a former Druva customer. Uh, he's not uh, you know he's not employed right now, so he's not a current Druva customer. But uh, he was a former Druva customer, so we'll be talking about Druva a little bit in this episode, a little bit more than normal, I think. But um, so what I was about to say was, you know, with a product like Druva and we're not we're not the only ones that do it. But with a product like Druva, you do a what I call a forever incremental. You don't do repeated fulls, but the but the backups are stored in such a way that each backup behaves as a full from a recovery perspective. I know we always talk about sort of the incrementals, but something that I always like to bring up is when you talk applications is after the incrementals, then you got to worry about all your archived redo logs and whatever the nomenclature the application uses, right? Which just adds more and more to the time it takes to recover. And in percent, uh, that's a very good point. So I said the first requirement you need to know is the RPRTO. The second, I'm a big um, follower methodology of people first, process, and then technology. So just to share with you, I also used to work at GameStop, which is also a Druva customer. Um, I was able to reduce the 72 hours of DR uh, RTO to 24 hours. And when I mean people process technology, um, because uh, they were like silo, the service team by themselves and database. So when we were doing disaster recovery, um, the server guys have to restore the file first and then database comes in and then use their database backup to restore the database. So, you know, there's two different methods of, you know, um, restore, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's why people, you know, get together with the people first and then create the process to make the people work together and then apply the technology. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you use, people tend to forget about those first two parts, right? They're yeah. like, oh, here's an awesome technology. It'll solve my problems. But then they apply it and then it doesn't work the way they think because the people in the process part, they haven't worked through. And it's like, oh, yep. the technology is bad. But it's like, no, the technology isn't bad. It's just you only did one third of the problem. You have to also worry about the people in the process. Right. And <laughs> and, and another thing I want to share is when I was at Maximus, um, because of the people, there were only two tier support. 
mm. people requesting the restore and then the backup team restoring. But the thing is, you know, it queues up because the backup team are the only restoring. So I created a third tier, like a middle tier. Um, we gave um, the database team power user rights, server team power user rights, site administrator power user rights. So instead of going to a backup team, the site support team can, can restore site files, database can restore database files, and server team can restore server team server files, and then application can restore application files. By doing that, the SLA, uh, we were able to meet the SLA because it's not entirely uh, dependent on the backup team. It's almost a little bit like self-service. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up a really, I, I think a really good, uh, another part of technology that that has happened in the last, mm, I'm going to say 10 years, mm -hmm. and that is the idea of role-based administration. Yes. Right? It's probably a little more than 10 years, but um, what I remember, again, back, back in the day, <laughs> Uh, if you were going to administer a backup system, you were root, right? Yep. You, you had root, you logged into the system as root, you pulled up the, the, the UI, uh, we called it a GUI back in the day, right? You pulled up the GUI and you ran that GUI as root. And if you didn't root, because root was the, was the, the user ID that had the power to get all the files. That's why you had to run it as root, right? Um, and that, but that was a horrible thing because I remember back in the day saying, you know, I, I would joke about it, but I would say, you know, be friendly to the backup person because with, with in order to do backups, not only did I have root on the backup this backup system, I had root on every system because I needed to. <laughs> So I had the ability to log into every system, destroy your world, right? And then go to the backup system, or maybe before that, go to the backup system and destroy all the backups, right? So be really kind to the backup person because they have the ability to destroy your entire world and leave no evidence, right? right. Um, that's, that's what we did away with, with this idea of role-based administration. This idea that you gave... Because back then, if you wanted, you know, the Oracle DBAs to, to, to do their own thing, you had to give them root, right? Yep, exactly. Which I think we could all agree, they don't need root. We don't need Oracle uh, permission, right? Um, and of course, I had Oracle permission back then too. Um, so this idea that you could give certain groups of people the ability to do things it, the way you described it was it was a way to make things better for them. Right. But it's also a way to make things better for you in that you gave them just, you know, we, we have this concept of least privilege that we talk a lot about, right? You gave them just enough power to do the job they needed to do, but without giving them the ability to mess up the rest of the world. Does that sound right. about right? Exactly. Role based. Don't give them the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. So, I know Druva has role-based administration. What other things did you do with that? Like, how how did you divvy up responsibilities? Yeah. So, role-based. So, we just like you said, database team can only restore mm -hmm. database, application, application, server, server, uh, site administrator, site. And the reason is, um, you know, we have data centers, but we also have remote offices. Uh, because of um, government services, what we have is what you call ATL, uh, authorized right. to operate. 
So some of the okay. files has to be in the remote office before we can put it in the cloud or data center. So okay. that's when the site administrators come in and they restore whatever locally to their site. Oh, so when, when you say site administrator, you mean administrator remote of that offices. particular site. Office. Okay, gotcha. Yes. yes. And what about, um, I know, I don't know if you've, if you've done this, but what about separating other things within the backup system? Like so I've seen some people where they're like, we, we give this person the ability just to run the backups, yep. but then they don't have any ability to say delete backups. And then, you know, we have another person who can configure backups, but they can't restore backups. I've seen some very interesting stuff. Can you think of anything else from the people that run the backup system? Anything that you did there? I so, so the backup team, we used to call them, well, the team was called ET, EDP, Enterprise Data Protection Team. Okay. So they schedule a backup. So they do all the backup based on the project requirement. Mm -hmm. So in the, on the role base, um, the role base are able to restore, but usually it's the EDP team that schedules the backup. Mm -hmm. So on the database team, um, because of the project requirement, based on the RPRTL, you know, how many mm -hmm. times you do full versus incremental. So they schedule it. Mm -hmm. And then one thing we made it easy is because we went to the cloud, we also um, uh, created a tagging. Um, you know, you can create a tag on your cloud instances. Right. So, so we have a, um, a tag called backup and then they would put a value, uh, which is a string. And then they use regex to go to the string to say, hey, how often do we want mm. full? Uh, you know, is this a database? Is this a file? Is this so forth? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so you can all have the... automation without having to require some two people talking together, right? That's correct. That's correct. Did you have anything? F what, what would you do if you had a new resource? Because I'm assuming you use like auto discovery and things like that. Right. If you had a new resource that needed to be backed up, but someone forgot to put a tag, did right. you did you have anything for that? Uh, yes. So um, we have a delivery team. Um, so we automated everything with the help of Druva. We created Lambdas on AWS. Mm -hmm. So for um, for operational readiness. So when a project goes live in two weeks, we already checked two weeks prior to going live. Those tags have values. Mm -hmm. So everything's checked. So did I answer that, your question? That, that that warms my heart. Yeah, uh, Albert. Yeah. The idea that someone would wait to go live on a project they would wait to make sure backups work before right. that project goes live <laughs> yes. that yes that warms my yeah. heart and, and, and Curtis I, with Druva's help we create what you call backup service so every every instance class instance being created has a tag value of the backup we already know uh, if that instance will be backed up if that instance mm -hmm. will be patched and if that instance will be monitored Ooh, so those nice. three functions are in the tags and we have an operational readiness team that goes in and makes sure those tags have values. And nice. then we also have uh, account owner, account owners. We have technical point of contact uh, for those projects and for those instances. So everything's labeled. Everything has to be labeled. So if not, uh, um, which we partner with the security team, we have what you call compliance reporting. Mm -hmm. So before mm -hmm. they go live, we make sure the compliance is 100% before they go live. If not, uh, if not, we create um, incident priorities. Um, we create um, a day, um, well, two weeks before it goes live, we create a P2. And then one day before it goes live, it becomes a P1. Mm. In other words, you need to fix it before it goes live. <laughs> right. Now, the two weeks before, like, 
are when someone tags it are you actually doing backups at that point to make sure that the entire process and everything works that things can be restored because it hasn't quite been pushed to production yet correct right 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 so so we follow um two slas a corporate sla and a project sla so before you, you know when we deliver everything followed the corporate sla mm -hmm. and then if the project sla is stricter than the corporate or overrides the corporate sla hmm. so so when we deliver we base on those sla gotcha. so those values are filled out based on those slas i love that i love yeah i you know w when i started again 100 years ago <laughs> when i started in backup SLA, SLA. I mean, we didn't have anything like that. I mean, right. at, I mean, at best we did have, we had, we, we didn't, I, I, I think I was in the backup business for probably five years or so before I heard the terms RTO and RPO. And by the way, I agree with you. That's where it starts, right? Back then, again, you'll remember this back then we spent so much of our time talking about like backup window Yep. And, um, you know, we didn't, we hardly talked about restore window. We talked about backup window because that was the thing we had to do every night, whether or not we could fit our backups within the backup window. So this idea that you basically, you agree on the SLA first, and then you design backups and other things uh, to meet those SLAs and that all of this is done as a cooperation between the business and the technology folks before the server goes into or the application goes into production again that this is what persona isn't this what we talk about all the time this is what right? we talk that, about that, yeah that con that 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 cooperation between the business and the yeah the stakeholders and the and the people uh, or the or the technology folks there's another thing, but there was another group that you talked about. And again, this warms my heart as well. You talked about partnering with the security folks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in this world of ransomware, um, I think that partnership is more important than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, that folks on the security side need to have some basic understanding of what what the way backups work and folks on the backup side need to have a basic understanding of, you know, security. Well, th this concept that you talked about, you know, role-based administration, that's a security concept, right? Mm -hmm. Least, yes. uh, least privilege is a security concept. And um, so, so let me ask you this, how have you over, over the years, how have you dealt with one of the problems that, that I see in it, which is, the, the the idea that nobody wants to do the backups, right? <laughs> so nobody wants to be in charge of the backup system. Uh, how how did you deal with that before, and how is that any different uh, when you know when you uh, went with Druva? Right. Well, going to the cloud is very helpful, and since Druva is also cloud native, it's very helpful. And one advantage of working in government services were highly regulated, right? So. So we, you know, because we're highly regula regulated, security kind of dictates what we need. So actually our operational readiness is monitored by compliance. And when I talk about compliance, we monitor all the, all the security compliance and operational compliance. Mm -hmm. So before going live, so let's say if your backup choice has, you need backup agents, make sure backup agents, you know, are installed mm -hmm. 
we check on mm -hmm. that and then make sure the tag values for the backup agent is full, you know, filled. And then same with patching and same all that. So, so compliance is almost like our key, like you yeah. said, security. Uh, and right. it covers both security and operational. Yeah. And but but I, what about get, getting the person to actually, getting somebody to actually take the responsibility for the backup process? Is that is that less of a problem for you in that in that yep. world? Um, yeah, because uh, the delivery team. So whenever any instance um, gets um, created, it follows mm -hmm. the corporate SLA. Everything. So all the engines installed. Everything's automated. Uh, the the security agents installed. The monitoring agents installed. The backup agents installed. So everything's automated. And then what we do is we use the compliance report to go in and check, make sure those um, those agents have heartbeats and make sure those agents also have values on their tagging. Mm -hmm. So it's all automated. And it, sounds we actually, like it's, yep. it sounds like it's part of a team rather than one person right. that's just responsible for backups. It sounds like the team is responsible for backups. Is, yep. is that? Exactly. Okay. That, I think that's perhaps one way to solve it. Yeah. And I'm guessing that having this automated process also helps you avoid sort of like the shadow IT issue that we heard so much about like five, seven years ago, right? Where a department's like, hey, I need to spin up something, but I don't want to go through normal IT. So I'm just going to go swipe my credit card, get an AWS account and start running, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like, I think that automated process was also enabled by the way Druva works. You know, again, before and after, you know, you could automate to a certain degree, pick your favorite backup product. You can automate that to a certain degree with one major caveat, and that is capacity, right? right. Um, a, a backup server or, or, you know, cluster of backup servers can only back up so much. It can only handle it from a from a comp uh, compute perspective, from a throughput perspective, and most importantly, from a capacity perspective. When the bits are full, the bits are full. Yes. And you can't just, you can automate all you want. Your backup system is just going to be like, uh, I don't know where you expect me to put this stuff. Uh, you know, but with, but with Druva, you can 100% automate it because the compute and additional capacity that you need is just automatically added to the system. Does that, does exactly. that seem about right? Yep, that's right. Just following up on that, sort of the automation side, I think one thing I'm curious about, Albert, is enabling of this automation, the APIs that a lot of, because previously, like Curtis was talking about, right, you went into a GUI or a UI and you manually clicked all these buttons and now you have sort of this automation side of things. How important are APIs as you start to look at this new world, right, and the enabling of integration of backups into these processes? Um, APIs are very important. And don't forget, there's different flavors of APIs. You have public APIs and private APIs. So most time you get public APIs, but you have to see if the public API support role-based, blah, 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 everything, right? So API is important. One thing though I want to add is uh, what's more important than API is culture, hmm. you know, like automation. So when we start implementing automation, everybody's like, oh, if I automate it, I'm going to lose my job, right? <laughs> so, so, so the one thing I did was promote the culture first before, you know, you have API, but people don't want to use it. It's useless, right? Yeah. So, and how I promoted, how you... yeah, and how I promoted it, I, um, 
I create, and, you know, sometimes it's nice to mix fun with work. So I started with automation games. Mm. So, and I create a process in the automation games. Hey, automation games, it's not just for developers. So I kind of come up with a uh, idea board. So if, if, if a project manager have an idea, uh, and then other people will see the idea and say, hey, I want to join you. So the developer will have a developer joining him, have a QA joining him mm-hmm. or her. And then together as a team, they create this automation they, and then they submit it on the automation games. And then, you know, and all that. So, so kind of created automation games to promote the culture. And then people get to a point, hey, this is actually helping me. Uh, I can do, I, I can spend my time doing more important stuff yeah. than just doing backup, right? So, Right. Um, yeah, I like that a lot because, you know, you you really, um, I flashed back to a, I remember, um, you know, 100 years ago uh, when I worked, and here comes the name again, when I worked with Stuart, um, <laughs> it's a name that comes up a lot on our podcast. Uh, there was a, there was a guy at, at that company that his thing was, he was the netware administrator. Remember netware? Yes. Right. And, and he had zero interest in modernizing the infrastructure because it meant that he wasn't going to have anything else to do. (laughs) Right. Uh, that problem is, I think that I think you you really hit the nail on the head that this this problem with auto, the, the problem with automation is people think well if I fully automate the world then I'm going to be out of a job right and and I would say that what you do is you automate the stuff that you that's just the mundane the stuff that has to happen every day one perfect example is backup so that you can then do the interesting stuff, which is like, we can talk about hunting for the bad guys, right? Yep. We can talk about watching the environment, something that, that can be assisted by technology, right? And I know, I know Druva has that as well, where it has the posture and observability features and it can look for bad things going on. But I think that that's also a very human thing to do is to number one, watch for the, for the bad actors and number two, um, continually, you know, you talked about that idea board, continually figuring out how we can make our security better, right? Uh, because in, in this world, there is there, there has been no time where I think cybersecurity is more important. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, actually, I'm glad, uh, Curtis, you touch. Uh, what people don't understand is there's, um, um, there's three data situations. You call it data at rest, data in motion, and data in use, right? So like mm-hmm. you said, mostly when you're doing data backup, you want it data at rest. So one thing we're looking at is actually we're looking at Druva's data resiliency, right? So that's when security and cybersecurity comes in. So you don't just back it up when it's a data rest. You also have to protect it during in motion and uh, at use, right? So, right. so that's yeah. in terms of cyber. Uh, one thing I want to mention too in automation, um, one trick, uh, because my, prede- my predecessors tried automation game, it, you know, a couple of them and it failed. Uh, one thing I also learned is you need to make it open. Hmm. You know, the, the guy, the person before me said, hey, okay, automation game, everybody has to use Ansible. But the thing is not everybody knows Ansible. So when hmm. I create automation, I open it. You can use DOS batch file, you can use Lambda, you can use uh, bash, uh, you know, bash script and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's successful. So, and, and then what, 
what we needed to do is find a tool that will support all open scripting or or programming. So nice. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, because not not everybody knows. I mean, I remember back back in the day, um, everybody was jumping on Perl, and yep. all I knew was all I knew was Born Shell. Yes. Right. Um, I was an old Born Shell guy, and I, I learned Perl. And I, I wrote. I remember writing uh, just to learn Perl. I remember writing a monitoring program that, that created a web page of how net backup was running at the time, right? Um, this was, uh, I actually remember the first time that that, that, that uh, system, I don't know what to call it, program. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time I went live was actually at Amazon back in, back in 1998, <laughs> uh, it was a long time ago. Um, so I, I, you, you mentioned earlier about how you, made dr faster um when you talk about that 24 dr pro 24 hour dr process uh talk to me about how does that 24 hours break down um like what what so, does it consist of yeah because uh, everybody was operating in uh, silo so the 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 server team uh used a product called um at that time was using a product called Commvault, and then the database team was using sql backup so mm -hmm. the old database is in SQL backup, and then the server team will use Commvault to backup the SQL backup. So when you do DR, DR, you do reverse, right? So the server team comes in and restore the Commvault file. And then after that, the database team has to use that file and, 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 and restore it into a SQL database, right? So that's like a, just a process alone is 72 hours. But since they, we created the process, so instead of using SQL backup, it's just one file. So when the server team restore it, it's already the database. You don't need the database team to come and restore the file into a SQL database. If so basically, you you made the actual restore process itself. You you took out steps in the restore process itself. Right, right. right. And then it got right. cost to this. And I was talking about at that time there were no cloud yet. So when we're doing DR exercise. Uh, we had to fly in everybody, the file backup team, the yeah. database backup team. You're talking about a good 15 people. So yeah, right. Uh, 15 people um, not doing their day-to-day -day job, just doing the DR for three days. So right, right. Yeah, we we did that back in the day. We would we didn't have to fly anybody in because we were all in the same place. But but we did it over the weekend because we were a bank. Um, so it's not like we're going to take the bank down for a few days. We did it over the weekend. Um, and, um, we would, uh, one of the, one of the rules that we had back then was that the person responsible for the backups, which was me, was not to run the DR, right? Um, because the idea is it's supposed to be properly documented enough that the the other person you know that another person that's capable should be able to follow the documentation and do it i will tell you in the three years that i was there not once did we successfully do the, the restore from beginning to end without having to come in and, and and help i mean it did work it's just you know the the process was so complicated and so convoluted that um you can only document it to a certain so point and then, right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I, I do think that's, you know, you talked about making it so much simpler with it, with a single step restore process. That seems like that would be the, the biggest 
boon to getting things restored in time. It's interesting that sometimes people forget about that instead of looking at how do we document this process? It should be, how do we simplify this? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And start thinking about that. Yeah. How can we make this process so simple that documentation is like, pull up the UI and log in yeah. or, or well, well, push the button. Well, here's, the, the, button. here's a question for you, right? Whenever you go buy a product today, how often or do you go and like open the instruction manual, read through the instruction manual before using it, right? Curtis, you just got a Roomba, right? Did you actually read the instruction manual or were you like, oh, I'm just going to use it? Well, that was the quick start card that I yep. did need because there, there were some steps that I had to, but it was just a two-sided of a card, right? Yeah. Um, but you, you, you did make me think about, again, in this process, we bought a new, um, we bought a new dishwasher and there was this, I I was putting in the dishwasher and I had put it in essentially without, without really, I mean, I had looked at the manual a little bit and, and, and I had it installed and then we wanted to, um, I wanted to level it and it was level, but I wanted to raise the level of it so that it fit better in the, in the, in the the, uh, counter. And, um, I was doing it like, I was like, well, how hard can it be? You just turn the things. Right. Um, right. And my wife in the middle of this, and I was getting frustrated because it wasn't working the way I would expect it to work. And my wife was like, have you looked at the manual? And I got mad. I was like, I don't need the manual turn screws. And it turned out, I looked at the manual and I was doing it all wrong because they had changed, they had changed, uh, uh, yeah, so the manuals can be helpful, but yeah, the process should be simple enough that you can do that. Uh, so, you know, Albert, I, I want to thank you a lot for coming on. Is there anything that we, that maybe you wanted to talk about that we, that we haven't covered yet? Um, if I could go back to what you said about how backup has progress. So if you remember yeah. 20 years ago, there's no cloud. So, and then most of the time you change your DR provider every two years, Right. Right. You know, popular ones are like SunGuard and IBM. 20 plus years ago, if you go with a provider, uh, you say, how many servers do you need? So 20 years ago, you send this team going in and then they install the OS, they install the right. app. Right. And then 10 years later, uh, I don't know if you heard, there's such thing as bare metal restoration. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so I did that too. So what yeah. you do is you put a bare metal orchestrator on that location. Uh, you, you, you say how many servers? And then, you know, based on the NIC, um, then you have this bare metal restoration to restore it, right? Right, right. And then now, today, you got the cloud. So it gets simpler, simpler, mm-hmm. uh, and faster. So Yeah, because with, with the cloud, doing DR, I, I've always thought that DR, because, you know, some people are like, well, he says it because he works for Druva. I've only worked for Druva for five years. I've said this for many years, and that is that the DR is the killer app for the cloud. Right. Because what you want is you want, uh, you know, a thousand servers right now, and you don't want to pay for them until they arrive, right? Until right. you need them. Right. And, but w- with it, with a product like Druva, you can do the restore part in advance, right? And then it just automatically brings the servers in when it, when it needs. And, you know, you talk about a simple DR process. It's just literally a one button and then it automates all of yep. that stuff, bringing yep. all those servers online, yep. all of the network settings, all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think if, if, if you haven't experienced DR in the cloud, uh, I'd say give it a try. If you're, if the product you have currently offers it, 
give that a shot. If it doesn't, uh, you know, they'd be happy, happy to talk to you over at Druva uh, to see how easy DR can be. Uh, and and I'd also say cloud, it makes it so much less expensive that it can bring DR down to the masses, if you will, right? It used to be, it was only the, the companies who had lots of money that could afford the sun guards, right? Th- this is literally companies of any size should be able to automate their DR environment. Right. And, um, and Curtis, I would like to add, has to be 100% cloud native. So just to share with you, that's the reason why we went through our, so when I was at Maximus, um, they had a project to go from on-premise to cloud. So mm-hmm. the backup team was reporting to the engineering team. At that time, I was managing the operations team. Mm-hmm. They had two years to do it. After 18 months, they just did one remote location. <laughs> and, and then they gave me the team and say, hey, finish it. And I got six months left from the 24 months. <laughs> right. And you know, you're talking about several remote sites and big data centers. So they said, here's the solution, implement six months. I'm like, okay, you tried it for for 18 months and you couldn't do it, and you're giving me six months. So be, fortunately, I was technical, and I look at that solution, and I'm like, this is not cloud native, this is hybrid. And that's the reason right. why it's taking forever, because when you talk about hybrid, that means including on-premise, and on-premise right. equates to you need provisioning. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I spent two months using their solutions. There's no way this is going to work. I only have four months left and I have like so many sites. And because I had Drupal experience in my previous job, which is with GameStop, I went in to the executive team and said, hey, if you want me to get this done in four months, I, uh, we need to go with my new solution. And they gave me a thumbs up and I was able to do it in four months. And how I did it in four months is because I know Drupal will work. I've spent the first month uh, with uh, what I call a POV. I don't call it POC, proof of value. Yeah, And I had the Druva team help me. We created playbooks. So all I needed to do is I know the solution works. I just create a playbook, mm-hmm. a playbook for database, a playbook for application, a playbook for server, a playbook for sites, right? Mm-hmm. Spend a whole month creating the playbook. And then project management team helped PMO help me come in and spend the three months. And actually, I told them, I don't want to get it done in three months. I want to get it done in two months. Because <laughs> if you give them three months, they're going to use three months, yeah. right? Right, right, right. So so I only have four months left, one month for POV, three months to implement, but I told them two months. And we were done in two and a half months. So two weeks before the deadline, because of expensive on-premise uh, license renewal, um, we just we had time to check and make sure everything works. Mm. So we got it completed in four months by go using nice. the Prova solution. Nice. So just on share. Nice. And I did apply the people process tools. I know the technology mm-hmm. works. Now I have to figure out the people, the database team, the server team, the role base, like you said, and create a process how we can make all of them work together and how everybody follows the same playbook and all sort. So nice. I like Thank it. You. I like it. Right. Well, Just thanks. Thanks so much for thanks so so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me. Uh, pleasure meeting you, both. And Prasanna, thanks again, and thanks for helping me celebrate my little. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Albert. <laughs> Likewise, thank you. All right. Happy holidays. To, yeah, absolutely. Happy holidays, and thanks to the listeners. Remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. Good.